promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. O God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 107 Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to go to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity, for he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. Amen. Our gospel text comes from John chapter 20, beginning at the 19th verse. When it was evening of that first day of the week, The disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas called Didymus, or twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came, so the other disciples were telling him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, this is a very common text for us to have after Easter. It's actually the text that we always get for every Sunday after Easter, the first Sunday after Easter, or the second Sunday of Easter. It's almost guaranteed uh, in most of our churches. Uh, It never really has been in mine, 
but in most of our churches, that will be the Sunday that you'll show up to church. And number one, there will be fewer people in church because Easter kind of is this big deal and they go, okay, I've taken care of my thing. I don't need to go to church for a little while because maybe they went to church on Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, they're good. But also you usually will find your pastor not there (laughs) because Holy Week is a very long week for us with services and meetings and prayer and planning and sermon writing and not to mention oftentimes we still get all the same phone calls that we normally have to deal with on a normal week for pastoral visitations and all of these things. And so it's it's one kindness, maybe, I guess, that the lectionary people gave to us that in the three-year lectionary, it is always Doubting Thomas, uh, as we call it, uh, this text, as the, as the text after Easter, because it, it, it fits somewhat chronologically. But with that being said, I don't want to take advantage of the fact that I've preached on this text a billion times to just sort of write this text off, because there's so much here. That, that we should explore regularly. We could read this text every day for a month and we'd find something new. I would love to have you share with me some of the things that maybe you see that, that we wouldn't normally see uh, unless you were to uh, open it up for me because oftentimes you see things that I don't see. And so Take a look at this text, for for instance, it begins, when it was evening of the first day of the week, so that would be that Sunday after he's risen, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, peace be with you. This is one of the big things that we take away from Christ, that we take away from the resurrection, that the resurrection means peace in the midst of our fear. We spend the majority of our lives in fear. We fear uh, what people might think of us, maybe. We fear getting sick. We fear making a mistake. We fear uh, raising our children and they end up needing counseling. They end up needing help because we're sinners trying to raise other sinners. Uh, we, We fear where we stand with God. And what does Christ do as the risen Christ? He shows up, able to break into a room that that the disciples felt they were safe in and to be able to announce peace to us. That's part of what comes to us in the resurrection, especially our fear of death. Our fear of death is what drives us to so much of our sin. Our fear of death is what causes us to uh, seek out ways to put to death a lot of things, including people, because we are afraid we might die, and so we will do whatever we can in order to survive. And so him coming to us in our fear and telling us peace be with you is one of the most blessed gospel announcements to us that we could ever have, one of the best things that Christ could ever say to us. Well, then it says, having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, making sure that they knew that he was the Jesus that they were supposed to have. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw him. This is a little bit different than our other texts, right? Our other texts say that they doubted, that that there were some there that doubted, right? We'll get to that in a second. But here they rejoiced in seeing the Lord. And then it says, he says it again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, so I I send you. We'll find out why God sent Jesus here in two seconds and why we are sent. 
After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If if this doesn't take you back to Genesis chapter 2, when God forms man from the dust and breathes into him the breath of life, the, the spirit of life, or take you to Ezekiel 37, where Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the bones and prophesy to the spirit and have the spirit enter the bones and bring them to life. I don't know what else can. Here you have Christ doing the very thing that is given to us in the Old Testament in multiple different places. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And he says, before that though, right? As the Father sent me, so I send you. Why did Jesus come? What was his reasoning? His reasoning was to come to forgive your sin. And he sends us to do the same. To, to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit needs to work in us quite often in order to get us to want to forgive someone, because more often than not, we do not want to forgive anyone. And so we need the Spirit coming upon us, the Lord coming upon us, to compel us to do the very thing that he did through Christ and that he calls for us to do through the gospel, which is peace. Peace between me and you when we offend one another, when we sin against one another. And the resurrected Christ is one who has forgiven sin and defeated death so that death can no more be something that we fear something that can be a motivator for our sin, but instead it is something that has been vanquished. And so we are freed. We are freed. And then we get Thomas, right? Thomas, doubting Thomas, we call him. Well, I don't think he's doubting Thomas. And I'll show you why. He shows up and they say, we've seen the Lord. And then he says, verse 25, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will never believe. What is Thomas saying there? Thomas is saying he doesn't want some made-up Jesus. He's not going to stand for any sort of ridiculous Jesus. He's not going to stand for your uh, perception of who Jesus is or some crafted Jesus that, that you think I might like better than the real Jesus. He wants the real Jesus. He wants the Jesus wounds and all. He wants the Jesus who was nailed to the cross. He wants the Jesus who did the work for Thomas on Thomas's behalf because he's only going to believe in this one who has come to redeem him from sin, death, and the devil. He's not necessarily doubting, but he's wanting Christ for who Christ is. And it says a week later, so the following Sunday, Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. And he says to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Don't, don't, don't take their word for it and don't doubt their word that they have preached to you, but trust that I am he. And he says, my Lord and my God, he is able to announce Christ as the one that we need. This, this one who is pierced, who is crucified for you, who is your Lord and your God. And it is this one that we hold to, that we, that we have to trust in that we have to go even farther than Thomas, right? And that's what Christ says here, is that uh, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's you and me. 
trusting that this Christ is the one who has come to redeem us, to buy us back from our own sin, to save us from our sins, as Matthew says, and to buy us back from, from death and the devil, to not allow the devil to have any more reign over us and to not to allow death to scare us, to cause us fear. And then we have sort of the first closing of the gospel of John. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written for what purpose? For the purpose that you might believe or trust that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Notice that, have life in his name again? It's this issue of resurrection. It's this issue of life out of death. It's this issue of destroying the fear of death and having life in Christ and not in ourselves. As I've been doing my weekly uh, readings that I normally do, uh, I've been reading through portions of Hebrews, the, the letter to the Hebrews. And as you go through this letter, resurrection is a big part, uh, a big part of the story of what this writer is trying to tell, because he's writing to a people who've gone back to their old beliefs. They've, They've set aside Christ. So let me read to you a portion of it here. Reading from the 14th verse of chapter 2. Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. I read a little farther than I wanted to there, but verse 15 free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. That is what Christ comes to do for you. We always turn Jesus into a morality play. We, we have people get up and they t- give their testimony. Well, before Jesus, I was a gang member and I was addicted to drugs and I was an alcoholic and I beat my wife and I slept around and I watched pornography and I did all these things, right? And now I don't. And praise Jesus, which which are great testimonies in the sense because your people are are dying to themselves and being resurrected. But never do we talk about Christ dying and rising for you. That 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 Christ's death was to free you from the slavery of your fear of death. Let that sink in for you this week, church. Allow that to be the focus of what it is that Christ has done for you on the cross and in the empty tomb. Let us pray. O God, our Heavenly Father, 
who through thy Son has promised us your Holy Spirit to send down upon us that same Spirit, that he may teach us to show forth your praise, not only here on earth in weakness, since we know your power and glory only from afar, but also in power and glory on that day when united with the choir of angels, we shall see you face to face, through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Well, church, go in peace, serve the Lord, and we will see you next week. Thank you.